0: It was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but one, I had a specific client that just didn't like me. They, they didn't believe me. They were yelling at me. Um, I, I figured out the easiest thing to do was just level with them. I closed my computer and I said, look, what's going on in your life that, that you feel this way? I was there for an hour and a half and I didn't even talk about electrical work. I just heard about her mother that was going through dementia, the, the struggle she had in life. And at the end, she says, OK, where do I sign for $15,000 in work? And I forgot I even offered to work. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you on this fine and friendly Monday morning. Uh, Unless you're listening to it at a later time, which in case, good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you. And we are looking really forward into inviting Logan Altland to join us today. He is the $3 million electrician, actually over $3 million. Uh, That's his run rate right now, and we are super excited to invite him on. Not only is he going to be joining us today, but he is live and in person because he works here. And man, are we proud of that fact. Before we jump to his part of the podcast, we're going to do a little bit of a breakdown today and let's hear Brian on our quote.
2: We see our customers as invited guests to a party and we are the hosts. It's our job every day to make every important aspect of the customer experience a little bit better.
1: Jeff Bezos. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I have to confess, my customer experience with Amazon tends to be uh, pretty top notch.
2: It really does. And when it's not, I get all my money back. Uh, that's and a lot thing. of times, they, they give I get you to the stuff. The product. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like these little Chinese headphones, Bluetooth headphones. They didn't quite have the sound I thought they would. Here's all your money back. You keep the headphones, and we're going to send you another pair for free. <laughs>
1: right. Well, I tell you what, uh, Logan is absolutely doing something good on the customer service side. He has to be. Because I see his reviews and man, they are raving fans of that man.
2: Not only are they raving fans of that man in terms of the reviews, and when we do, you know, when we have a happy check and talk to one of his clients, they are raving fans when it comes to spending money with him, getting work done by him, because the man rarely hears a no and he asks nonstop for the business.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he has to at uh, the run rate of three plus million dollars. You can only ask so many times and get a no to stay on track with that.
2: 3.9. 3. He's on track. 3.9. It's crazy. Yeah. Running electrical service calls, zero generators. It's, it's pretty fantastic. But the quote, it, it, it really does summarize him and how he treats our clients. We see our customers at as, as invited guests to a party and we are the hosts. It's our job every day to make every important aspect of the customer experience a little bit better. That is how you treat customers from the richest man who has probably ever existed on this planet and all by serving customers.
1: Except for Elon Musk. No. I'm pretty sure Musk is the richest.
2: Let's go. Come on. All right. Google it, buddy. I'll keep going. Let's pretend, you know, maybe next to like King Solomon. I don't know how, how they stack up, but as far as I know, Jeff's gotta be the richest man who's ever existed.
1: Richest man in the world, coming in at one hundred and seventy-one billion dollars, Mister Jeff Bezos. Woo! Coming in at two hundred and nineteen billion, Mister Elon Musk. What? Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. Plus, he's just getting like a thirty million dollar bonus the other day too. So who did? Mister Musk. He's doing just fine. Thirty million dollar. Thirty bonus? million dollar bonus. Yeah. What a crock! I think Can that's what uh, that's what Logan's shooting for this year.
2: That's like Matt. Buck Walter, our boss, walks in right now and gives us, like, an 80-cent bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, here you guys so go. True. Here's an envelope with with uh, two quarters and three dimes in it each. Like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even know he, he gained or lost $80 million.
1: Well, one thing that Logan does know is that this uh, this opportunity and what he is doing has been absolutely life-changing, not only from an income standpoint, which he is unashamedly making well over six figures, uh, but even from his own- Logan. Logan yes. Logan
2: has already made over six figures this year and it is middle of April. <laughs> <laughs> no joke.
1: Uh, but besides just the uh, financial element of it, it, it's changing him. In many ways, it is changing him. And yes, we know we want, we're proud of that and all that. But what that ultimately comes down to is him, his willingness to be changed, to be coached, to be learning and a student of what is in front of him and actually applying it, which he does so well.
2: He's a he's a humble dude, and when I say humble, I mean teachable. He's coachable. He looks at the people who have do, been doing it a lot longer than him and wants to know more. He's always hungry. I mean, they these guys, he and Jamie Mellinger, who helped train him, they they cough up two hours a week of time that they could be in the field running calls. Now that's a give and take on both ends because we, as an organization, deem you know deem it necessary to bring them in. Along with some other high producers like Justin Spiker, Dan Feigard, Rachel Whitmer, Jerry Fulton, they're all they're all high producers, and we bring them in in the middle of the morning when they could be running calls to train because they're that hungry to be trained, and we do a little objection training with them,
1: a little slow down to speed up type thing right there.
2: Yep, we bring up some tough objections to the previous week. I tend usually uh, help them overcome the objection, and then. We do a, like, just bouncing it back and forth off of each other, and then we'll do some role-playing typically. So we do, that, we do that training here every Thursday morning from 6.30 to 7.45 with all of the service people, the, the field staff. Um, we do that exact same thing, and then we end with some role-playing. They actually get two more hours a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. But he never complains. You know, these guys are – Pretty much commissioned. They don't. They're not really getting paid to be there. They, he never complains about it. He always wants to be there. He he thoroughly enjoys it. He loves to learn. You can't tell him much in terms of electrical. The guy's a he's a bona fide electrician. So I'm not going to debate him on electrical theory. He knows his stuff. When it comes to presenting customer experience, customer service, he's a uh, he's a sponge. He's he's humble. He's making. You know, he's selling more in, in a truck than any of his trainers ever did. That's for sure. But he's like Tiger Woods with a golf club. He wants to hear what his coach has to say.
1: Every day. Every day. And that's what makes uh, it him a rarity, really. A unicorn.
2: Yep. Not in that room, though. Because every name I just mentioned is the exact same way. Some of the highest producers in our industry. Um, Jamie You know, if Logan's going to be number one in all of Mr. Sparky this year, which I'd be shocked if he's not, Jamie's going to be number two, I bet. And he's the exact same way. Hungry, coachable, teachable, wants to know more, excited about helping his peers. None of these these folks we mentioned are very self-centered and, you know, afraid to help someone because they don't want to be passed. That's just not the way they do business.
1: Nor should it be. That uh, element of back and forth competition is, uh, is a fantastic piece of the culture. And I suggest that everybody find somebody, whether it's within your own organization or not, who's going to challenge you to do better, to push yourself farther and to succeed in more ways and in more areas than you have the year previous. And one of the ways that Logan uh, continues to push the limits is, is on reviews. And he actually makes the intentional effort with every client that he goes to, or at least it surely seems like it, to get that, that intentional five-star review. And we're going to ask him about that today and kind of dig into it a little bit more. Uh, but one of the things that we wanted to bring up is a review that actually hit our podcast here of late. So, Brian?
2: Yeah, this was a good one for me. It, it was by Beaver Tree. Beaver Tree? Yeah, your guess is
1: good as mine. <laughs> I got nothing there. All yeah. I, all I can remember from the last time is that you thinking a panda lives in Antarctica. So what was it? that was a the seasick panda. Seasick panda. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was
2: thinking polar bear, but yeah. Uh, panda would find it quite cold there.
1: <laughs> no bamboo, uh,
2: and probably not be great at cracking ice open to snatch a baby seal out either. I think I think you have to learn that through generations. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. So. So Beaver Tree's title was great topics and the, uh, review said hard to find a more diverse podcast while it focuses on in-home services. You'll get much more with the Dub-N-D. I like that. The W-N-D. All right. Dub-N-D is fine for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we greatly appreciate that Beaver Tree. We love to see these reviews. We love the feedback. Um, love the five-star ones in particular.
1: And you're going to love this episode, Mr. Beaver Tree. And so right now we're going to invite Logan Altland to sit in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Logan Altland. He is a residential electrician and safety advisor right here with us in Mr. Sparky Electric at Lancaster County. And uh, he is a convert from commercial, actually. He did several years in the commercial world, cutting his teeth under the tutelage of Jamie Mellinger. once he finally got here. He's on a run rate to do well over $3 million this year, and uh, a self-proclaimed no-college graduate himself. He's doing just fine. He's got nearly a decade's worth of electrical trade experience, and man, is he putting it to work. We're really excited to have him on the show today. Welcome here, Logan.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah.
2: Welcome buddy. Good to have uh, one of our people on here. A not only a um, employee team member with our organization but our top producing electrician this year. One of our top producing people in the company this year at what are you at? Yeah, what so are you far? shooting? For what are you shooting for
1: this year, buddy? Well,
2: already first quarter, like leaving out you know half of the month that we're in. First quarter, you did just shy of a million dollars. Yep,
0: nine hundred seventy-eight
1: thousand. Oh, y'all, nine hundred seventy-eight thousand exactly. You don't know all the change? No, no, I don't. I don't <laughs> count that. <laughs> keep, you can keep up with that change, yep.
2: but nine hundred seventy-eight thousand running an average of three to four electrical residential electric calls. A day with zero generators, correct?
0: Yep, I've never sold a generator.
1: That's, well, we need to fix that this year. <laughs> Panels and surge
2: <search> protectors, <laughs> rewires,
1: re-devices. redevices, Yeah,
0: rewires is where it's at.
1: That is where it's at. Yes, yeah, so you also got your biggest job ever this year. Uh, yep. One singular, one single job which totaled for
0: seventy. I think it was seventy-four thousand. Seventy-four thousand. My
1: man, whole home rewire and redevice.
0: And uh, two panels, and then I think it even did some plumbing in HVAC.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they did. and But that was outside of that number, correct? Yep. Yeah, it was like so.
0: 160,000 total.
1: Seventy-four, seventy-five Gs, just in electrical services, residential for a, a, a beautiful historical home right downtown Lancaster City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, we're excited to have you on the show, and... If you're not already blown away for the electricians out there or any of the other tradesmen, uh, we sure are at three to three and a half million dollars run rate this year. We're super proud and excited to have you on our team. And we wanted to not only share your story, uh, but challenge others to expand their mind as to what is possible. Before we do that, we always like to learn a little bit about our guests, especially uh, when they're coming from our own office and business here. So Logan, why don't you give us a little bit of backstory about yourself and how you got into the electrical trade?
0: Um, my grandfather re- worked for Moorefield Communications, so I always kind of took after him on that. Um, went to VoTech for four years, graduated 2011 in electrical technologies. From there, I took an apprenticeship, a four-year program there, got my journeyman papers. Uh, I was the head electrician at the Lancaster General Hospital. To just just kept building on what I had and always, electric's all I know. I'm not a college guy. I'm not very technical when it comes to statistics and stuff like that. I just like working with my hands.
1: Yeah, and it's nice to know you even have that kind of uh, wide array of both commercial or mezzo-commercial uh, residential stuff as well, working in the hospital and now working in the homes. Uh, so certainly well-qualified across the trade and as you kind of look back and reflect upon that journey, you know, what was it that started you? Like, did you, did you like, were you one of those guys that just took stuff apart as a kid and like shocked yourself or was there something that kind of made you jump into that field?
0: Well, my mom told me when I came home with a college application that I would never go to college because I'm not smart enough. <laughs> so <laughs> I figured I better find something that makes some money. Thanks uh, mom. Yeah. I went to <laughs> I actually signed up to go to school. We're big, big fans
2: of uh, university here. (laughs) Huge fans of university.
0: (laughs) I actually went to signed up to go to school for masonry. And about two weeks in, I thought, yeah, this isn't for me. Yeah, This is hard work and not that much pay. So, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to take things apart. But I was always scared of electric. It always just terrified me of the results. Hearing my grandfather's stories, stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to learn more about it to avoid that stuff. and. It just, it just took off.
1: Was that one of those, like, this is my fear, so I'm going to press in and conquer it type things?
0: Yeah, I, it was one, it was one thing I never wanted to do. And I wanted to get that out of my head that I don't want there not to be nothing in my life that I don't want to do. Mm. And I just, I, you're right. It's like a conquer I tried conquering it and yeah. I did.
1: Embodies the waste no day mentality over here. Yep. Yes. Awesome. Well, like I mentioned, we want to kind of not just talk about you, but talk about what you're doing in the home because man, something has got to be going right for you to be cranking out 3 to $4 million of residential electrical service every single year, not including large, you know, $30,000 generators or anything like that, but panel after panel after panel, blood, sweat, and tears into those items. So let's jump in on that stuff right now and just kind of uh, back it up a little bit. When you first got here, you, you weren't doing three to four million dollars.
0: No, my first full month in a truck, I was at 115,000,
1: which is a great place to start for any electrician, I believe. Yep. So, what, what changed? I mean, did you grow? Did the system change? Did you get better customers than you did your first month? What happened?
0: Well, I, I finally had a management crew, I finally had coworkers that were behind me helping me grow no matter what. Wasn't only a competition for the other tech here that's performing very well. It was, we, we both kind of worked together and help each other grow. And when I look back on it, like one hundred and fifteen thousand, that was nothing. But at one hundred and fifteen thousand a month, my first month, I thought it was insane. Like I thought I was good, and it all comes down to just simply caring for the people. And well, it, you
2: you were good, yeah. And that's a great number across the industry. Yeah, it just. In very Logan fashion and very Jamie Bellinger fashion. Who's Who is your, the other technician? Yeah, our, yep. our other uh, all-star electrician here. They just kind of go back and forth. That's just, there's no such thing as good enough.
0: No, there's always that next step you can take and the the next goal of yours. And you, you got to always remember that if you pass a goal or you meet a goal, it's good, but don't stay complacent.
1: At that
2: number, you were going to make the most money you'd ever made in your life that year. Correct.
0: Yeah. So, um, for example, when I was the head electrician of a 500 bed hospital, I was making around 65 grand a year at 100 and at 115,000 a month. That came out to roughly 90, 90 grand a year doing residential work, which I always labeled as uh, the electricians that kind of didn't know what they were doing in the field. The that easy was, stuff. Yep. That was the easy stuff. And uh, I, I learned it's not so easy.
1: <laughs> you also got the last laugh on the salary piece too. Yeah, so. yeah I got that last laugh. <laughs> you passed that 90 already this year, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good, Logan. And it is good to have you on the crew. Uh, one of the things that we do absolutely focus on here is drive. It's one of our core values. It's something that uh, is really in the DNA of the building at this point. I mean, you can't you can't walk around a corner and find somebody who's not driven. And that's what we love. But as you mentioned earlier there, you didn't use the phrase, but you did use the concept of empathy. Yes. Right. So it's very clear that you're a driven person. Uh, you, you must be. You're competitive. You're, you're going up against Jamie Mellinger who's graced our podcast, I believe, twice already and certainly continues to just blow off every expectation that we have of him. Um, and, and you're, you're matching him step for step and sometimes beating him. And, you know, maybe I'm sure he's pushing too to try to get back into that first place spot and that's all good and well, but what about that empathy?
0: Well, in the last training we had, um, there was a quote that really stuck to me and that was people don't care what you know until they know that you care.
1: Uh, Stephen Covey.
0: Yep. That is, that is my life. I enjoy helping people. I'm all about helping people that at the end of the day, that's what i want to do that's why i'm in this field that's why i love this company it gives you the opportunity to do that when you walk in someone's house i'm not looking at it as me versus the client i'm looking at it as i'm going to stand beside that client and we're going to conquer that problem together and th- and that i think is the core of empathy and i th- that is single-handedly how i've been doing so well I d- you just you make that connection up front you let them know they're not alone and you work together to find out the solution you know, I've had people cry because I helped them. I've had people yell at me because they didn't like the answer. But at the end of the day, when I leave, when I walk out of that house, they all know that I'm there for them, not against them or to take something from them. That is the key to any any type of sales aspect, anything like that.
1: I mean, you say that so easily, Logan, and yet we know from just looking around the industry that it's not easy at all doing that. So help us understand what, what do you do? Or is there some magical phrase that, you know, do you mesmerize them with your, your electrical meter rolling across their face and saying, now, listen to me, I'm empathetic. Please give me your money. You know, what do you do? I mean, something, something's gotta be special about that.
0: Actually, if you would see my process, you would, you would probably wonder why I'm not using technical language. I I just simply walk in, ask what the problem is. um, How can I help? Is there any other issues? It, and it's, you, you got to relate to them if they're in a, it's hard not, not prejudging a call, but when you go in there, whether they're in a $2 million home or a $100,000 trailer, it, it doesn't really matter. What matters is their electrical system isn't working. And once you show them that, you, I, I, I ask everybody, do you want to work with me on this? Or are we going to work against each other?
1: So you straight up ask that you question.
0: Know, you get that out of the way and they know they're going to, nobody's going to tell you they're working against you.
1: Do you get any variety on that, on that answer? Or are they all like, well, I'm, I'm with you.
0: No, they're like, well, that's why we called you. Cause you're the professional. You get that out of the way right away. You don't have that. Oh, you're trying to oversell me on this or, you know, they, they truly. And, and transparency goes a long way too. I don't mesmerize anybody with, with the electrical meter or skills that nobody else has. It's the good looks. Clearly. I wish <laughs> it's not that, um, Yeah. It's, I learned a long time ago that if if you can't treat people the way that you want, you know, you want to be treated, but more, I mean, think about it. How would you feel if you would go to a car mechanic and they would tell you, Hey, Hey Nate, it's $500,000 or let's say, make it easy. A a nice $3,000 bill for you. You, You're going to be like, well, what'd you do? But if they say, Hey Nate, can you come walk with me? And they show you that your brake pads are bad. They explain what's wrong with it, and then they say it's three thousand dollars. That's a little easier to stomach.
1: Right, I'm I'm mad at the car at that point yep. more than I am at you.
0: It's you versus the electrical problem. It's not you versus the client because of the electrical problem. It's 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 just a mindset change.
1: It is a mindset change, and yet it's one that I think a lot of electricians in the field would um, would would struggle. To say that they're easily finding their clients, getting into that mind that mindset where it's not you against them, it's you with them against the problem, like you mentioned. So, how do you? How I'm sure you've come across some clients that are, we'll call them standoffish. Mm -hmm. uh, As soon as you get to the door, you mentioned that you asked them the question. You know, are are we working at this together? Are we working against each other? Is there any other method methodology that you use to kind of help them bring them from across the table to on your side of the table?
0: I actually, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but one, I had a specific client that just didn't like me. They, they didn't believe me. They were yelling at me. Um, their, their son threatened me. Um, I, I figured out the easiest thing to do was just level with them. I closed my computer and I said, look, what's going on in your life that, that you feel this way. And once they tell you that and they open up to you and I was there for an hour and a half and I didn't even talk about electrical work. I just heard about her mother that was going through dementia, you know, the, the struggle she had in life. And at the end she says, okay, where do I sign for $15,000 in work? And I forgot I even offered her $15,000 in work. <laughs> I truly felt like I was helping this lady like get through life right. and that you just got to, remember, they're not mad at you. You're a person. They're not mad at there. There's a lot of situations that are going on. You don't know about. That's
1: for sure. And I commend you for taking that approach, Logan. That's something that a lot of people in the trades would be too busy to endure, right? There's, I, I got another call. I got something to do. You know, I'm not even really interested in this person. Do you find that you are generally a people person or are you more of an introvert at heart?
0: Oh no. I like talking to people. You
1: like talking to people. Well, it, it, I, obviously that makes it easier for you to sit there across from a stranger and listen to their life story. What if I am a little bit more on the reserve side and I'm not necessarily the one that's interested in those questions. Can I fake that? Or is there something that I can do to kind of force myself into that?
0: You can fake it for a little, but eventually it's going to become genuine and it's, you're, you're going to mean it and you're going to become not reserved anymore. You can't stay reserved and fake that for too long.
1: But I don't have to be like a, a party person, right? I, I don't have to be just like bubbly and joyful all the time. I, I think where you're coming from, and certainly as as I know you as an employee here, you're just a genuine person. Yep. And, and people sense that, and they can tell it in your questions. They can tell in the fact that you're listening with your
0: eyes, right? Yeah, and I think the other big thing, Nate, is uh, everybody cares about somebody in their life. You know, if, if you have a wife, if you have kids, and... Say your kid comes home from school and he got in trouble. Are you going to get mad at him for getting in trouble? Or are you going to try to help him learn why he got in trouble and how not to do it again? That's – everybody has that person they care about. Maybe both. Yeah. Well, you're going to be mad. <laughs> As a father of a 14-year-old boy, there might be a little of both. <laughs> okay, use your wife, for example. When she does something, you're going to get mad at is her that, too, probably. Is that better, Brian? <laughs> probably not. But you – Everybody sees it as when there's money involved, it's a different story. It, if you genuinely care about somebody and you're a genuine person, you, you should not have an issue selling anything to anybody because what you're selling is what's needed. It's not what you think is needed. Or you, and ultimately, that goes into the other, whole nother segment of them making the choice. But I, I everybody has that caring bone for somebody in their body. And it all relates, like, for example, um, like, people who have family members that suffer from addiction, how, how does it feel if you say, I, I hate you because you use drugs or I hate the fact that you use drugs because you're a better person, so I'm going to help you fight that addiction with you. You know that, that's, that's a prime example. You can get mad at the situation, but ultimately some things are uncontrollable. Hmm.
1: So speaking of, of that and of helping the person understand to buy in something that they need, you know, I'm sure we would hear some pushback on on uh, this episode, saying like, "Well, how how on earth? Yeah, that at that number, he's got to be selling a panel to like every call that he goes to. You know, how are you seeing that many calls that need a new panel? Is every panel that you go to completely rusted, broken down, and you know, a fire hazard?
0: Absolutely not. Um, there's four reasons you recommend an electrical panel. It's a uh, aluminum panel that's older than 20 years. Aluminum doesn't stand up to any wear or tear like copper does. That's why you're wiring in your home is copper, uh, water damage in your panel, um, manufacturer that's no longer in business and obvious signs of heat, wear and tear. Um, the, the problem is in this area about 40 years ago was a big population boom where everything got built. Prior to this job, I didn't even know you needed to replace an electrical panel. I was a journeyman electrician and didn't know that. You you know, once you, Once you train and you know that, And I I know people are going to think it's magic that all of a sudden every call I get's a panel, but it's truly you just got to know what you're looking for, and you got to know how to how to identify those issues.
2: Strategic dispatching helps. We're not sending Logan to neighborhoods with eight month old houses, so yeah, that's that's
0: a a tough one.
1: (laughs) That's true, Brian. And and you're saying you got to know what you're looking for, relevant to those four major concerns you addressed.
0: Yep, and the most important thing is. A lot. So the funny thing is if you look back over my call history, most of my calls I sell on are for like a beeping smoke detector, a light switch not working. You know, it's it's stuff that most electricians wouldn't even get in the electrical panel for. But you're doing you're doing the client a disservice by not looking at the whole thing. Something calls that switch to go bad. Something calls that smoke detector to beep. And once you really go through that whole process, and Jamie has helped me immensely with that process, once you go through that you're going to find the root cause of a lot of electrical issues or something going on at the panel. And it just happens to be one of the most expensive tickets.
1: Ah, so finally the truth comes out. Logan is getting all panel problem calls all day.
0: Yes. If, if that was the case, <laughs> I'd be at $7 million. This
1: year. <laughs> No, so you're going to literally everything. You'll do anything from an electrical maintenance to a true no power situation to a beeping smoke detector to a ceiling fan installation across the board.
0: Yeah, actually one of my favorite calls ever. I called Jamie on the way there. Um, I had just gotten in uh, the Ford Escape. I didn't have an extension ladder. Their outside light bulb was burned out. I called Jamie like, what am I doing here? I don't have a way to get in here. I don't even have a ladder, so this guy's going to be mad at me already. I get there. Um, through, through conversation and investigation, I found his electrical panel needed done. Um, a $25 light bulb repair turned into $8,900. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have to do the repair. It's, <laughs> I didn't need a ladder. And it, it's just developed that process.
1: So let's talk about that for a while, Logan, because... I think in the trades, um, we have a tendency to become myopic or tunnel visioned, right? We're going there to fix the problem that was indicated in the notes that was written down by the call taker that was communicated by the customer. Yep. Right? So I'm calling in, hey, Logan, I need, uh, I have a lamp outside that the light is burned out and I'm not sure if it's the bulb or the lamp. I need somebody to come take a look at it. How on earth do you get from light bulb outside lamp to panel indoor replacement?
0: Okay, so that's, let me give you a scenario here that'll help you understand. You take your car to get your brakes fixed. You go to the shop. As you're driving home, your check engine light comes on. Are you, 90% of people are going to say, oh, the shop must have did something when it was in there for repair, right? Right. So I feel like if I go out and change a light bulb, and let's say when I leave, their breaker starts tripping, that's automatically going to become my fault no matter if I was in the panel or not. So I start from square one. you got to have a good foundation, and the electrical panel in your house is the foundation. That's what avoids everything. And, yes, a light bulb might not be the direct result from an electrical panel, but if I get in there and I see everything's good, when I get that call back that, hey, my breaker's stripping, I can 100% say I, it wasn't nothing I did, and, and that's the important thing. So I, I guess what I – Soon as My conversation, soon as I walk in, is uh, as, a rely, as the company, as a reliable company, we claim liability for everything we do. So if I replace this light bulb today and, you know, worst case scenario, your house goes up in flames, let's say that. Fire department says, have you had any electricians here? And they say, yep, we just had one change in the light. You're automatically guilty. It doesn't matter. And then it's, you, it's up to you to prove or them to prove. So I, I, I explain it as a liability thing. I want to make sure that everything I'm saying is accurate. I can come to your house and change a light bulb for $25, or I can stop a potential safety hazard.
1: Is that how you, do you actually phrase it that way with a client, where you literally walk them through that liability conversation?
0: My, this is my exact, this is exactly what I say. Um, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a fire. Um, when the fire department gets here, they ask three questions. Are you insured? is anybody hurt and have you had any electrical work done in the last six months? You say yes to the electrical work, that company's automatically on the hook. doesn't matter if they did anything, whether it got inspected, city inspectors don't take accountability for that. And it's just the clients then mad at you and mad at your company because they think you allowed something to happen. They might not like what you say about preventing it, but they're really not going to like when they don't have a choice.
1: Hmm. So you literally bring that up to the client and at that point have you ever gotten any type of like no I don't want you in the panel
0: oh yeah I've got people say I'm I am a firefighter that's not how it works and I say well until I can reliably make sure you are good at a source I cannot do anything electrically in this house I can one one specific example was a ceiling fan a guy wanted me to hang a ceiling fan um, me and Jamie me and Jamie tag team this one he was there five years in a row and recommended a panel because water was getting in the panel. I told Jamie before I got there, I said, I'm, I'm getting in this guy's panel whether he wants me to or not. Because I, I have to know that I did the job. Um, and you want to talk about standoffish, that, that job got very standoffish. But I, he told me to flip the power off by the light switch. And I said, Well, I want to go down to the breaker and make sure I can lock it out. That way you don't, nobody flips it on. He's like, Well, you don't have to do that. And I was like, So you have a better way to do this? And he said, yeah, and at that point I, I just asked him, then if you know how to do this properly, then why am I here? And it, sometimes it's a little crude when you say that, but th- you ultimately got to care for people, and that's what it's all about. I don't want, I mean, your ceiling fan's nice and dandy that if it's new, but if it's not protected, what's it matter?
1: So, I mean, that, that, uh, that statement makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Well, it, I'll, I'll be frank about that. Yep. So, I mean, what was his response when you said, why am I here?
0: His his response said you were here to hang the ceiling fan, and that's how you're going to do it. That that was his response.
2: Meaning you're going to hope and pray that his kid doesn't show up and flip that switch on while you have that wire open and your finger on it.
0: Or his wife in the other room that was already flipping the switches.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, okay.
0: So my initial response was, hey, I... When, when he got a little standoffish, I said, I'm, I'm sorry I came off that way. That's not how I meant that. But I want you to understand I, I've i seen things that you didn't see just like you've seen things that I didn't see. I'm not going to tell you how to fight a fire the first time. I'm going to trust what you're saying. That's what you called our company for, for the fifth time, to do work for you because you trust us. Allow me to walk with you in this journey. We actually... um." We walked down to his panel, and it, it, was like a, it was like a lineman guarding the panel for me to look at it. And I'm like, okay. So I start taking the cover off. I didn't even, and that's the silent silence is a virtue thing. I start taking the guy's panel cover off, and he says, what are you doing? You don't need to take the cover off. I just continued taking the cover off. I mean, at that point when it's off, he says, holy crap, I didn't realize it was that bad. Ugh. And I told him, yeah, you were told for the last five years that it was that bad. And he, I think the thing is, is once they know that you are adamant and you are truly worried about their safety, again, they're not, all that stuff goes away.
1: Now for, for an electrician who's listening to you say that, and they're like, oh, listen, man, like you kind of ran roughshod over the guy, you know, I would never do that. That sounds very uncomfortable. Is that something, is that a skill that you developed? Have you always been just kind of like? you know, very straightforward about things or have you learned over the years that like sometimes you have to kind of push into it a little bit to get the result?
0: You, you got to know the person. Some people will argue with you and have an excuse for everything. And at that point, nothing you say is going to matter. Um, or you can get into a situation where people get offended by everything you say. Um, at the end of the day, if you truly meant good, in what you said and truly meant good in what you do and you can show them why you meant good or why you were looking out for them they're gonna they're gonna appreciate that that call was one of the most that was one of the most standoff calls that I've ever been on. I actually think I called uh I think John Wrestler was the manager I called John and I said you know you're gonna get a call a guy's gonna be mad about me but I'll tell you the situation um Justin Spiker ran a call to that same house, Justin said, the guy said I was the, the best tech and I'm the only one he's ever going to call anymore.
1: After the fact. Yep. Yeah.
0: Wow. Some people it's, it's communication skills, you know, the accommodator. That's, that's what I am. I want to accommodate everything you do. But at some point in time, when you're, when you're questioning my professionalism or my way of going about things, it's not, I, I kind of take offense to that a little bit.
1: Okay. So when it comes to the client and helping them to understand that you're truly there to help them, to be that advocate, that accommodator, um, to work with them, not against them um, in in terms of helping them to buy, that's all good and well, but you still have to actually make the presentation. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to presentation, clearly you're well adept at it and you are getting better and better as it goes. What does your presentation look like in front of the client? Are you doing a three-option close? Are you doing the pen and paper or paper towel close? What does it look like for you, and how are you being so successful?
0: So the option close works sometimes, the three-option close. What I found with that is you spend a lot of time making up three price options, when if you just sell them on the one price option, you don't need the other two. And so basically at the end of the call, I – I in my presentation at the beginning, I say I'm going to f- rate things on a level of three green, red, and yellow, green meaning. hey, that's nice that's nice to have yellow meaning. It's start to think about safety, red meaning it's time to do it. no, no questions asked um, and And once you develop that, once you come up with things, and the important thing is by the time I make my presentation a price, they already know they want it. It's not a question at that point. You don't give them a price until you have them on your side 100% of the way. I've taken people down and showed them the panel. I've showed them pictures of what can happen. I've I've actually manually showed them that a breaker doesn't trip. And by then, I've had people tell me, I don't really care about the price, Just, just do it. And the presentation of the options is good because it will help you develop a need. It gives them options. But more importantly, you called me for a recommendation. You didn't call me to tell you about and if it comes down to price like i the mid package that I would recommend that I would put in my own house I flip my price book around I you pick out of the prices and I'll tell you what you need to know tell you everything you need to know about every option we have and and that transparency just in that is that's lights out
1: sure then the client knows that the whole book is theirs and they could yep. a la carte it if they actually wanted to But to your point, you're saying that by the time you get to that place, the client has basically already made their decision. So what does that look like in, in in you're actually walking them conversationally through the call? Let's say that you go out because uh, a light switch isn't working in a room. How do we get from here's the light switch? It's not working to you having them agree along the way. Yes, I would like a new panel and yes, I would like new receptacles in this room. And yes, I would like this switch to be Mm -hmm. a three way instead.
0: So, if your light switch isn't working, I guess I guess my first question would be what did you do that it stopped working? Did it stop working randomly? Did you flip it and it popped a breaker? Did something like that happen? What was what was the cause? So hypothetically say they flipped it and it popped a breaker. Okay, well it sounds like it sounds like maybe your breaker's doing what it should be doing. It's it's sensing a short. Can I get to your panel to look and make sure that the breaker indeed is tripping or if it's just not providing power, and the breaker's not shutting off. So there, you're in the panel. Um, if they say, I don't know, let's say it just stopped working, well, then I think it's an issue with your power coming into it. You're in the panel. So then you, I always tell clients, one of the biggest things that I do differently is I tell them I would like them to walk with me. If they can't walk with me, I don't take pictures and show them. I want them physically there with me. And when I take it off and I show them this is what it should look like, this is what it looks like now, that they see that. And, and it's asking questions. That's the most important thing. You know, when there's water in the panel, I ask them, do you typically mix electricity with water? <laughs> yes,
1: you know, all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's common sense stuff like that, that they just need it broken down on a layman's terms. I, I mean, you can go into depth about Six hundred degrees aluminum changes color. That that's great, but if you've never seen aluminum change color, you don't you don't even know what it's supposed to look like in the first place. Right. You know, it's show them a difference. Like, hey, this this part of your bus bar is shiny. This part isn't. What do you think causes that? You know, what what do you think the solution is? What is your goal with this whole visit? Is your goal preventative, or is your goal for me to fix that light switch and leave?
1: Now, in those questions right there, Logan, almost all of those were open ended. Do you yes. find yourself using that technique quite a bit?
0: Yep. Open-ended questions makes a client in charge, and ultimately, no matter what, yes, you are in charge, you dictate the price, but they're in charge. They pick what they want. They choose who they want in their house. So I get being in control of a call, but at the same time, um, at the same time, you should uh, they are in charge. You are not in control of that call. You are you were in control of the end result, but they are in control of getting there.
1: Now, speaking of being in control of the call, you mentioned that you always want that client to be walking with you. I'm sure like any other electrician or tradesperson in the industry, you get the typical client from time to time that says, ah, oh, no, I, I got to hop on a call here. Or, no, I'm right in the middle of something. Or actually I have to run outside to grab Johnny from soccer practice, or maybe you're even dealing with them over the phone. So what do you do in all those scenarios where the client doesn't cooperate with Logan's way of doing things?
0: At that point, I ask them how they want me to present what I find. Do they want pictures? Do they want me to just verbally tell them? Um, I, I ask them if they're a visual learner or they're a statistical learner or they're hands-on. you, you got to dig and find out what's going to benefit them. There is a lot of people, especially now working from home, they're on computers all day, they're on calls all day. I I tell them, can you take at least a 15 minute break? Give me 15 minutes. You know, keep pushing for that. And one of the most important things I learned was simply this phrase. Um, I I tell them, I want you to trust me and sometimes seeing is trusting. So I want you to come with me. Mm. And that will melt anybody you say that to. I don't care if you're in one of the busiest meetings ever. And if they don't want to come with you, they already didn't trust you anyway.
1: They already didn't trust you anyway. So if that happens, is there a way that you can reconcile that and bring them back around, or did you already lose them?
0: You never lose. I, I don't feel as if you ever lose anybody. I feel it's when you give up is when you lose them. If, if, if I know somebody doesn't trust me and at the end of the day or at the end of the call I present them options and I feel like they're not trusting me, I ask them, you know, what's, what's going on? What can I do to – I can tell something's off. I can tell it's either you're not trusting me, you're getting another quote, what is it? And then that takes you into the real objection.
1: So Logan, that's actually uh, another good point that I want to address for you, and that is the price shopper. So we don't make any apologies about being probably one of the most, if not the most expensive electrician in the area. We back it up by uh, doing what we do. And I'm sure that you come across uh, quotes that are a fraction of what we're charging uh, or you come across somebody who may not have even gotten quotes yet and you know that if they shop around enough, of course, they're going to find somebody cheaper. How much do you bump up against that and what do you do to defend yourself?
0: I go right at it. Um, my, last, my last call today, actually, they had a quote from a competitor, was $1,200, we're charging $4,500. Um, they were like, yeah, that's ridiculous. And, and I ask them questions. What did, did they tell you about this warranty? Did they tell you about this? Did, I, I don't ever badmouth another company, but I set landmines up for themselves. I, once you say, hey, did they offer you surge protection? And they said, well, they didn't offer anything about surge. So they're not offering you the best options you can get. And, and this all goes back to that initial step of developing that you care about them. I, uh, one of my favorite things to say is, you know, what I fear for you is that you are going to get taken over. Yes, you're going to pay 1200 but you're going to pay it three times because it's not going to be done right. And you're going to have to go through that headache of calling back. You're going to have to go through that warranty process. And and once you develop that we truly are, I don't care about pricing. Money is irrelevant when you need a service. You want it done right. And I, I tell them that.
2: Logan, do you ever pretend? And, and by pretend, I mean either just straight up saying it, or by omission and acting like it, do you ever pretend to your clients that we are cheap? Nope. Do you ever shy away from the fact that we don't?
0: That's one of the first things I say in my presentation. Is what? If if you want the cheapest option, we're not the company for you. If you want the best option, the best service, the best warranties, then I will continue. And 90% of people, whether it's for they shy away, they don't want to be perceived as cheap, or maybe they truly didn't know what's out there. You know, and, and ask them questions. Have you priced an electrical panel lately? Have you paid for warranties? Have you done service call? Have you had an on-call tech at your disposal 24-7? You know, that, that's all stuff. I, you don't ever shy away from the price. I wear that on my sleeve. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of I can go into a house and sell a panel that's three grand more than my competitor, and they're happy about it. You know, it's and it's truly you, another big thing is you got to believe in what you're selling. I know I've seen this company do amazing things on warranty calls, stuff like that, and you truly are taking care of the client. You can go buy an electrical panel at Home Depot for three hundred bucks. You don't need a permit to put it in. You don't even need a licensed electrician to do it.
1: Um, Not in this state, anyways.
0: Yeah, which is insane, but you you can get it done. I tell them, I'm like, if if so, for example, if it's somebody that wants a quote to get other quotes, I tell them get at least two, get at least two quotes. And they're like, well, who would you recommend? I, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> who to they're go They're asking to. you
1: who to recommend. <laughs> yep.
0: And when they do that, I'd, I'd say, look them up on Google. Because I know we're second. I know we're second in this area, if not first on reviews.
1: That's something that we focus on. In fact, we actually did a training on reviews this morning, which is another great um, side subject here. Your reviews personally. I see them come through and they are nearly all positive, if not raving positive fans. And one has to question, you know, how do you as a three, three and a half, four million dollar a year electrician, get so many people at the end of open, willingly opening their wallet and handing you money, just writing reviews that says Logan was awesome?
0: It all comes back to that initial relationship you develop up front. It's it's all about, I don't want to say getting them to like you because that's, they don't have to like you, but they have to trust your word. They have to know that you're there for them. Um, I, I've had, it was very hard for me at first to realize that I can leave somebody's house after taking $15,000 of their money and they're smiling and waving bye to me as I'm leaving. I, I don't understand that. If you come to my house and you take $15,000, I don't care how nice you are, you still took $15,000 from me. And, and that was very hard for me, but once I, on the back end, once I realized what difference I've made in their life, whether it's, they're going through a hard time and I made a difference in their day, or I listened to something that somebody else wouldn't, you know, I've, I've had people call me off the clock just to talk. And that's, that's what I want. That's what I enjoy.
1: So speaking of enjoying that, I mean, certainly the clients we, we hope and trust and know and believe that they are enjoying what they're getting but they have still opted to actually part ways with their money voluntarily we're not taking or stealing or anything like that <clears throat> they've made that choice you had to make a choice in your head to mentally shift your perspective you you mentioned it there you know that you you believe in what you are giving to the client that they need it <clears throat> that we're going to stand behind it that there are aspects that are worth the additional funds the the, uh, the larger price point than others can do it because of this, that, and whatever that we provide both now at time of service and later in the future and all these things. But still at some point you still have to reconcile the fact in your head that this is, this is a lot of money selling a $75,000 whole home redevice rewire is a lot of money. And we did an entire episode about selling out of your own wallet or not selling out of your own wallet How did you come about to a place where you decided that it was not only okay, but it was deserved to position a a estimate for $75,000 or, or the next one might be $7,500 to somebody. And, and it, you know, depending upon their circumstances, they're the same. How did you make that change in your mind?
0: Um, I've sat through a couple trainings here. Um, it, It was funny because I was that person that went for the cheapest quote before I got hired here. Um, I had an asphalt company come out, went with the cheapest quote, called them back because I needed a repair, and it ended up being more than the most expensive quote. Ugh. So then I started to really think, like, maybe what maybe what Brian says in training about cheap isn't always good. Maybe that is true, and it, it is absolutely true. Um, it's just, in my head, what I got to do is I got to recommend every single thing that I think they need and they will benefit from Just so what I I don't care if they go with it or not. Just so that when I leave, I know I did my best my best job possible. And you're gonna get people that say no, and 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 you just gotta. It's not because of what you did. It's because they weren't ready, or maybe they didn't know about this. And and you're gonna miss things when you go in there. You're gonna miss uh, today on my inspection. I missed a very important thing. Jamie Mellinger pointed out to me. Um, but that's that's what it's all about.
2: You gotta love it. Guys doing two and three hundred thousand in revenue a month, Jamie and Logan, running maintenance calls and service calls, are taking time out of their day to do what they did this morning, which is ride along with each other, sit in the passenger seat and give each other feedback and learn from each other and um, find out where they can each be better off of each other. It's just
0: uh
1: it's amazing to see. Yeah. How beneficial has it been to have somebody to basically game against every day?
0: Oh, it's not even the game against. Even on bad calls, bad days, when I call Jamie and I'm just beside myself behind the eight ball, it's never, well, I don't know how to help you because we're competing. It's always, hey, let's work through this together. Role play with me. I couldn't tell you how many times me and Jamie role played on the phone together. A fly on that windshield would be, what what are they doing? It's... It is totally, I I think in all aspects around the company, we have a lot of high performers here and it's all motivational. It's, it's not, I never look at it as me versus Jamie. I look at it as me and Jamie are giving work to six install crews. It's, it's not a personal goal of mine to make the 3 million a year. It's a personal goal of mine to be the number one, Mr. Sparky in the nation. And if my 3 million helps that, that's good.
1: You're talking about as a business, Yep, as a and team.
0: As a team. It's not me, Ver, it's not my revenue and Jamie's revenue. And it doesn't go like that to me. It's, it's our company's revenue. What are we doing? And importantly, what kind of service are we providing? Hmm.
1: So that's another aspect that uh, I, I believe has been a change and a growth in your career. When you first started here, you were doing some of your own work, if not all of your own work. Uh, turning the screwdriver and all those things. And now you've shifted into a model of sell and move on. Was that a difficult transition to make? And how has that impacted your ability to scale from there?
0: Well, um, that's that, that comes back to another important thing. I tell the clients when they ask me why I'm not doing the work, I tell them straight up. I quoted you six to eight hours. If I did this, it would take 12 to 13 yeah. because I'm slow. I don't do it every day. I'm good at, I'm good at one thing. This person's good at another. It was very hard for me to scale back and watch that go because the client relationship, you're trusting someone else to keep that. You know, you can get 100 good reviews, but your one bad review is what means something. I, I get five-star reviews daily, but when that two-star review comes in because the install crew did this or some miscommunication on my part, it you're putting too many hands in the pot. That's the only problem I have with that.
1: So how have you learned to overcome that? Is that a communication piece on your end? Is that trust in the back end process that it will go through?
0: It's we we've went through a big change here and that and that's a big that's a big factor. Another thing I do is I if if it's a tough job, if it's not self explanatory, I've already met the install crew there and just explained, introduce the client, make make the client not feel as uncomfortable as, hey, the second new person in a week's in my house. I've called clients and said, hey, how'd everything go? You know, I I tell them to follow up with me. That extra five minutes out of their day is, I mean, it makes the whole job more smooth.
1: Yeah. And so, of course, in in doing that, you know, some guys might say, oh, man, that that sounds like a lot of work, you know. When do you have time to call these clients back or meet your install team? Like, how, how are you fitting that into your day, Logan?
0: Well, you got you to gotta really trust everything and you got to really want to do this for a career. I'm not off the clock when I go home at 4 o'clock. If my client calls me and they're dissatisfied at 5.30 in the evening, it's still my job to serve them. It's not a, and I think that's the important thing about this company. It's not a, hey, take their money and forget it. That's not how we work. And more importantly, the team. I, most of my calls and talks to clients are when I'm off the clock. And that's fine but that makes my time on the clock more enjoyable, move smoother.
1: Well, plus, and, you, you know, you kind of get that steady stream of business from the after hours work to make yep. the next day better.
2: Yep. And let's face it. We're how busy are we really, <laughs> really? When the, when the truck goes off at the end of the day, Yeah, the
1: third time watching uh, the dark night, you know, I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, I like the <laughs> Seinfeld reruns as much as the next guy, but how busy are we really? And I always promote here um giving your cell phone number and telling that client which is what I always did in a truck full, from you know 2004 on which is don't don't call the office don't call and ask for a manager don't I am your guy I'm your plumber Logan's your electrician Nate is your tech guy whatever you do Nate yeah, <laughs> I don't know I, I don't, nobody <laughs> knows um call me if you need an electrician out and I'm in a plumbing truck. Call me. I'll get a hold of the office and make it happen for you. But I want to be your your contact for this company. And I always tell everyone. I gave that to every client I saw, between one and four clients a day, depending on how my day went. And let me tell you how many times I suffered for it. <laughs> I, maybe three. I don't know. I, I never got calls at one thirty in the morning. It just didn't happen. Occasionally maybe once a quarter, once every three months, I would get a phone call after hours from a client that was in an inconvenient time. And maybe I didn't answer it right away. Got a voicemail, called them back as soon as I could. It was over in a matter of a small matter of minutes. And the relationship built and maintained by that phone call paid dividends that I can't even imagine. I don't know. I don't know how many people called the office and requested our company and me as a technician because of, you know, their sister-in-law that recommended them because of that phone call. This is our plumber. Yep. This is our electrician right here, our HVAC tech. We don't have a company we use, right? We use Logan. And when they want to have some, some big work done, they're calling Logan when they're They find out their cousin is looking for an electrician they're calling logan they might not even remember the name of the company and that's not really what's important it's that relationship being established that's important and i'll give give it to logan on that note one of the greatest i've ever seen naturally at being relational and and establishing relationships and it's funny because we do object an hour of objection training every tuesday and thursday morning and a couple times now, I've called on Logan. Like, Logan, it's your turn. Give us an objection you deal with lately, and what's your answer usually?
0: I don't normally get objections. <laughs> Still, makes me crack up to hear. It's like
2: I don't get objections, and then Jamie, you know, does a ride along with him today, and he's like, he had three big objections. He just <laughs> he didn't even hear them. It just blew right through him. Like, um, he's so he's so real. And caring for that client, he's not hearing these little excuses of why they're, they're usually with objections, just trying to throw you off, just trying to put you off, maybe take a time out and pause it. But they're typically like 75, 80% not real. And he doesn't hear those. All he hears is this person has a need and, and I have the fix. And, you know, you don't have to use us, but you have to know that this is a reality, that this is something you are dealing with right now or going to deal with. And this is how it gets taken care of, whether you use me and and our team or not. This is something that needs to be done. And he establishes such a rich relationship that they usually just say, I want Logan to do it. And I asked him the question because I knew the answer. We train people here not to shy away from the fact that in terms of just price, we are one of the most expensive companies in our area, if not the most expensive now, in terms of value, we're probably one of the cheapest companies in the area because we offer tremendous value for the money here, but we never shy away from it and pretend that we're cheap. And if the client doesn't even ask, if, if it's the first time they've had a, an electrician out and they don't mention the fact that we might be more or less than other electricians in the market, do we bring it up then, Logan? Yep. 100% of the time. We always mention... If you're looking for cheap, don't call us because we're not that. If you're looking to get it done as cheap as you possibly can, you, there, is, there are other places you can go. Why do we do that? It's twofold. For one, it's an accus- accusations audit, as, as they would say at the Black Swan Group, our buddies there. We're bringing up something we might have to deal with on the back end, and when we bring it up, we're in control. When they bring it up, it could very well haunt us. So we bring it up in the beginning in hopes that we won't deal with it later. Number two, if they are really looking for the cheapest possible solution, it's a you know landlord deal, and they're looking to sell this thing by the end of the month, and this is the only thing keeping them from doing it, and they use us anyway, and then find out later they could have gotten done for 60% of what they paid, what are we going to get?
0: Not a good, not a good reputation.
2: We are gonna get lit up on Google and Yelp. Screw Yelp. We don't care what what happens on Yelp. They're <laughs> gonna get lit up on the real, real ratings companies like Google and shellacked and drugged through the mud. And they're gonna tell their friends not to use us. And we can afford not to do that job for the sake of again the relationship. To tell that landlord, you can get this done a lot cheaper. It's just gonna be you know, just in and out. Maybe done, you know, at a high level, probably won't. But if you're just looking to sell and get out, then this is an option. You can go find this cheaper. A lot of times we get this job anyway for because of this conversation. But a lot of times we walk and we don't get the job. And we're fine with that. But that person has the utmost respect for our brands as a result of that conversation versus we hid and pretended we were cheap and then they found out later. That's not who we are as an organization.
0: One of my favorite calls going talking to highlighting what you just said, one of my favorite ever clients, um, I, I went to their house. They were at a rough time. They had just lost their job. They legit did not have money. We tried financing. We tried everything. They were in a spot where they literally needed the cheapest company. I told them it wasn't us. I explained it to them. I also told them with anything you need, call me. I don't care if I'm helping somebody else. I need you to know that you're getting a panel that's warranted, a surge protection, and you're getting it licensed, electrician doing it, and it needs to be inspected. I don't care if you call me and say, hey, can you tell me a little bit about Joe Schmo electric down the street? I spend 45 minutes with them on the phone telling them, like, what that other electrician, who is our competitor, is saying is accurate. If you are going to go with somebody else, I am okay with you going with them. Um, they ended up going with them. Four months later, they called me back for a totally different property, and they said, we know you're the cheapest, or we know you're not the cheapest. You already told us that. We don't care. We just appreciated your honesty, and we asked those electricians the questions about your company, and they said, you guys are the most expensive, and that's why we're calling you. You were up front with us. Wow, And it it total tenfold. It goes back to, like Brian said, if they don't trust you or you try to hide something from them, I'm an open book when I'm in a house. You know, they ask me, how long have you been doing residential electric? I tell them. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed that I'm here for seven months doing a residential electric. I'm not ashamed of that. You know, but you get these people that say, I've been doing it for 20 years and we're the best company around and we're the cheapest price. That, that's not how you get business. Honesty sets you free on everything.
2: What's that quote? I can't remember who it's by, but uh, the biggest fool in the world is the one that thinks he can fool someone else. Mm. Yeah, like you start getting dishonest about your your price and and your value or how long you've been doing it or the fact that your company will stand behind it, you get you get seen through in in most instances. So I love the Black Swan Group, Derek Gaunt and Brandon Voss and Chris Voss and those guys. Accusations audit and tactical empathy and labeling where, where they just call this stuff out in the beginning. If, if they know, if, if we know by, by their teaching that we lack in a certain way that the customer is not going to love, bring it up up front, mention it. You're probably going to feel like, you probably feel like, you probably think, you're, I'm sure you're aware of the fact that. And then you say, we're not cheap. Yep. That's a fact. Here's why.
0: Think of it as your relationships at home. Everything you use at this job is just as successful at home. You know, me and my wife, um, we we got into an argument the other night. First thing I said to her is, "You probably think I'm a jerk." I, I probably was being a jerk. At the end of the day, what do you want the result to be? She looked at me and she her exact words were, "You you took the words out of my mouth," and. They don't have ammo. They they have nothing. If if you tell them we're ex, we're the most expensive company around, but you get the best service, what are they, What are they gonna say? It's they not.
2: It. It's not even a matter of having ammo. You've decided, not yep. them. You've decided that, that there's no fight. Yeah. What are you, we fighting about? You're not fighting. Yep. If you tell them everything that's wrong with you, I'd hate always going back to Eight Mile, but you know. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, if you're
2: B Rabbit on the uh, stage of was it St. Andrew's Hall or or uh I can never remember the the shelter whichever whichever yeah. uh concert venue it was downtown Detroit um they're on the stage and Eminem B Rabbit in the, in the movie t- says everything the guy is going to say about him in his own rap and then attacks the guy and then hands him the mic and says tell these people something they don't know about me. And the guy's got nothing. There's nothing there. I
0: always say I always revert back to those reviews Look at our reviews. Look at why seven hundred We have seven hundred fifty-six reviews on our website. Listen Look, to
1: that, ladies and gentlemen. He knows it by number. Every
0: I'm, morning, I follow that every morning. When I'm when I'm in the shower, I, t- I put my personal phone on and I'm I'm scrolling through reviews. And if I get a bad one, it's my goal to call that client, see what went wrong. If it was something I did, something they weren't expecting, and ninety nine percent of the time, it, it changes. Ninety nine percent of the time. I've had people give me one star reviews that I call and they're so apologetic because they accidentally hit one star. They give me three, five star reviews. It's like, (laughs) uh, you know, it's people feel very defensive about the relationship you have with them. I've had people get upset when I take a call in the field and they can tell it's, it's not a good call. I've had people get upset and say, why, why are they doing that to you? You know, and, and it's like, wait a minute, you're on my side. I don't even really know who you are. It's, I've had people invite me to family dinners and I like, it's not awkward for me to do that.
1: When you say people, you mean clients.
0: Yep. Sheesh. I had a client. So, uh, I was here for two months. Um, Brian knows the story. I had a client, went for an inspection, He sold him an electrical panel, went back to his house. He wasn't even home gave me the combination to get into his house. Um, this is when I knew that relationships mattered. Um, he told me to call him before I left his house. Well, of course I got into the cleanup mode. I got into getting out of there after I was done. He wasn't home anyway. I call him on my way home. I say, Hey, I just want to let you know, everything's finished up. We're good to go. He says, why didn't you call me? Uh, I, I had a surprise for you while we were there. Of course we got off topic. We were talking about shotguns and I told him I was in the market for a new shotgun. So he said to me, he said, why didn't you call me? Didn't you, weren't you talking about a Benelli shotgun? I said, yeah. He said, if you would have called me, I had a $4,000 check written out for you on the counter with your name on it to go buy that shotgun you wanted. And you didn't call me. Ugh. And, and that alone for for someone to write a $4,000 check for a shotgun that you met and you took money from him, you weren't there. I didn't do the work. To this day, he still texts me asking me if I got that shotgun.
1: Mm. Did you?
0: Yes. Nice. My man. And he invited me to go shooting with him. Um, it, that relationship, that's one of a kind. That's how I do all my sales. So,
2: Logan, before we wrap up here, I want to know... And I'm, and I'm sure our listeners want to know. I actually do know, but I'm sure much of the audience wants to know. What does a successful electrical call look like? So, what's your process from pulling up at the home to when you go to ask for the business?
0: Um, I, I walk in the home. I introduce myself. I ask them the simple question of why, why am I here? And most of the time, I'll get, well, you didn't read the notes. Yeah, I read the notes, but I want to hear it from you. And once they tell me, I, I get a little inquisitive about why I'm there. I explain my process of I'm going to look at the electrical panel. From there, I do this, explain all that, um, invite them with me, kind of not invite, to request them to come with me. Um, from there, we go down, sit at the table. There's conversations in between there. I, I can relate to anybody. Um, th- there's a lot of conversation in between there, just about personal stuff. And then, at the, end of the, at the end of the job, I present my pricing and, and I, don't, I don't look as a successful call as I got the business. A successful call for me is walking out of there knowing that I provided the client with exactly what they needed, told them exactly what they needed to hear and whether they're mad at me, whether they're happy with me. And it, a successful call to me means I did my job of what I was sent there to do. It's not It's not about getting the business. Now, of course, yes, that matters too. But is, is that what you were asking, Brian?
2: Yep, keep going. Okay,
0: so when I get in the car, I say, you know, I unpack calls now. That's one thing I learned. Um, what did I do wrong? What did I do differently? Can I change the result by anything I asked or anything I said? And if the answer to that question is no, you did what you could do. I'm not here to push anybody into giving me money. I, I, I don't like that. Um, in fact, it, I don't like being salesy, so to speak. I mean, yes, you ask them for business, but you better not ask them for business until you they truly trust you. And if they don't trust you, call that out. Get it off the table right away.
1: Hmm. That's one of those uh, accusation audits, like Brian mentioned earlier, that the Black Swan Group is so fond of in uh, bringing up things that you know, or you can foresee are going to become a problem or could potentially become a problem and addressing them up front. Right. Well, Logan, we're going to be bringing things in for a landing here. And I'm sure the electricians out there in uh, podcast land are just kind of shaking their heads, saying, man, that sounds awesome. Um, give us some encouragement for those who are maybe not at the three to $4 million level yet, uh, but they're aspiring to be that, you know, that wasn't always you. And by your own admission, it wasn't even you, uh, only a few months ago. So how can I, as a, uh, up and coming electrician, or maybe even a veteran of the trade, who's just looking to get myself better. How can I get to your status there?
0: Find something you don't like and continue to do it. One of those things was presenting price for me. Just present price about everything. Find something that you're very uncomfortable with and focus all your time on that. Once you become comfortable with that, find something else you're uncomfortable with. Focus on that. If, 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 you know, Brian tells a story about a window salesman that came into his house and made a comment about your daughter, you have a beautiful family, and it got very awkward.
1: Beautiful if, family. Yep. Yeah, if you're well, it was uncomfortable.
2: Like it was the least genuine thing I've ever seen in my life. He just, <laughs> he was like halfway through the door and looked at a picture as I'm not even facing him anymore. I'm walking to the kitchen and he's like,
0: Oh, is this your family?
2: What a beautiful child. I'm like, all right, bro, come on, chill out. Let's go.
0: That's a dude that is uncomfortable with making a personal connection. That's all that is. Yep. You know, and, and that's that's what, that's what you need to work on. Go in the house. Go into the house and think, well, I'm not going to sell nothing, but I'm going to make a friend today. And let me tell you, I get more calls back on marketing than I do sales. I get calls back and they're like, hey, you were out six months ago to look at my panel. It's like, oh, yeah, I already wrote you off as you didn't even want to use us anymore. And that's, that's what it is all about. Practice what you are uncomfortable with. That's why I went with Jamie to on maintenance.
1: Because that, that's not necessarily your strong suit while it is his.
0: Yep. He, every objection training we sit in, I say, I don't get objections. And everybody says, I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Today we get in the car afterwards, and Jamie looks at me. He goes, how many objections did you get there? I said, I didn't get any. He said, no, you got four. I was like, well, I didn't even notice. And he explained it. And after explaining from him, I'm like, holy crap, I do get objections. I, I just don't see him as objections. That's just me talking. And it's.
1: So, so break down that call for us today. I mean, you didn't think you got any. Jamie says you got four. What were the four or three or four that you did get?
0: One of them, the guy didn't believe in arc fault breakers.
1: And what did you say?
0: I said, well, start believing in them because they're the best. <laughs> that's, that's legit what I said. Um, Jamie's in the back shaking his head. Like, I, I can't believe you just said that. Uh, one of them was, I wasn't planning on spending $8,000 today. And my response to that was, do you ever plan on spending $8,000? Like, it, I just de-escalate all those objections, all those objections. It, it is, it's a natural, it's a natural thing for me. I, and I don't know, I don't, I wish I could tell you how to do it. It just happens. So I, sometimes I can't even tell you the objection I got.
1: Well, clearly. I mean, we only made it through two. Yeah. <laughs> you,
0: you, yeah. It,
2: it really is about keeping the conversation going, continue to chat. What do we talk about in every objections training? What are we trying to do by overcoming this objection? It's not a close. Like, mm-hmm. we don't expect to, to pass through an objection and get the sale. What are we doing by overcoming an objection?
0: Yep. Keep... Keep the conversation moving. That's
2: all we're doing. We're keeping the conversation alive. If you let the objection kill you, the the presentation's over. And when I say 75, 80% of objections aren't real, all I mean is they didn't mean to stop the presentation. They were just telling you something that they're not sure about or they're uncomfortable with. And like, you know, arc fault fault breakers said, well, believe in them because I as the professional am telling you they're legit. They're the real deal. Oh, okay, good to know. And you keep going. Where a lot of, especially amateur salespeople go, oh, see, he didn't want it, and they'll go back and they're debrief with their sales manager, and their sales manager say, what stopped you there? What happened? Why didn't they buy a new panel? He hates arc fault, arc fault breakers, like, oh, and you couldn't get him over that. No, no, he just hates them. Like we hear this all all the time, you know. So you have to. So then we have to train on overcoming an objection on arc fault breakers or whatever the objection is versus that tech realizing that that was not a conversation stopper. That was just a pause button.
0: Yeah. And if you do stop the conversation at this point, you did lose them. I mean that you're at a stalemate. You, you think they don't want it. You think they're not interested. They think you don't know what you're talking about or that you're trying to sell them. If, if, you go to a car dealership and they say this is the safest car on the market. You know it has twenty-eight airbags, and you say, "Well, you tell me how I don't really believe it has twenty-eight airbags." And that car salesman says, "Well, I uh, I don't know. What 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 did you just do? You just de-escalated everything you said. You you're not you don't believe in that car anymore. Devalued everything. De- devalued, not yeah. de-escalated. Um, I I didn't go to college. <laughs> I mean, neither, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it makes two of us." <laughs> Yeah, it's it it is it is amazing of just talking to people and reading people and understanding what responses to expect and not what to expect but how they were meant. That's the biggest thing. Nobody wants to offend anybody in life or tell people they don't want to buy stuff from them. I mean that's if if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have had you out. That's that's what it comes down to.
2: Yeah, and so many on the objection piece, so many so many objections are just questions that need answered. Yep. Some of them, some of them are nothing. They're, they're literally nothing. You just got to keep, keep talking. Like keep, keep asking questions. Ask, what does that mean? Some of them are they're, they're just something they threw out because they're nervous. And some of them are questions that needed to be answered. But oftentimes, mostly young salespeople, but, but salespeople in general, and whatever type they are, we'll just call them technicians. But technicians will let... A simple sentence, end the presentation, end the call, that it was not meant to end the call. All of, usually out of pure nervousness, which is why we do the role playing at the end of every objection training. Some form of role playing has to happen where somebody is getting a little, a little less uncomfortable talking in front of people. Poor Kevin had to do it for his first time. Kevin Oster, what's up, buddy? Had to do it for his first time ever last week. Got a nice applause at the end, and then I yanked it back up there this morning. (laughs) So
0: I keep going back to Jamie Mellinger. Um, Without Jamie, I'm not what I am. I realize that. Jamie has showed me things that I didn't think were possible. Prime example, I'm a $3.5 million tech probably this year. Today he goes into maintenance with me. I started stuttering. I got confused because it's different presenting and role-playing with somebody else. We got in the car and he, Jamie goes, well, I could tell you never said that. I'm like, how did you know that? Well, because you were uncomfortable saying it. So that's what I'm practicing. Those last three calls that I went on, that's the first thing I focused on was my introduction. It's what you need to work on.
1: Well, you've given us and the audience plenty of things to work on today, Logan, and this has been excellent content. We are super excited, as I mentioned at the top of the show, to have you not only doing what you're doing, but doing it with us and our team. So shout out to you. Thanks so much for everything that you're doing, for sharing your knowledge with us today. And, uh, man, we are are all in behind you on pushing you over that $4 million mark. We want to be challenging you to be pursuing that. I know you're not going to stop, and I'm sure the guys around you are going to be celebrating you along the way as it happens, man. So thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Well, that's a wrap for us in this show, and I hope you've enjoyed your time listening to Logan Altland share about his $3 million a year electrical process. Uh, We are just so grateful to have him on the team, and I hope that the words and the challenges that he put out to you today, whether you're an electrician or in the trades or outside of the trades, have been something that you can take home, swirl around in the head, and kind of figure out how you can adapt it to your life, your presentation, what you do. Uh, Logan just has that genuine heart, that genuine approach to people. And that's something that I think we can all learn about in just actually taking empathetic interest in the humans that are sitting across the table from us, whether they're strangers, repeat customers, or frankly, uh, our friends and people as well. Uh, We can all learn to be more empathetic. And I think that is something that really stands out as a working part of Logan's process. We hope that you are finding a process that is working for you. Uh, whether you are in the trades or outside of the trades, we appreciate you listening to this podcast and we hope that we're bringing you content that challenges each and every week, drop us a line, let us know what you thought of this episode or of any ideas you have for upcoming ones. We're always looking for great ways to bring you new and interesting subjects and speakers on those subjects. So we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a five-star review. That's one thing that Logan mentioned that he is constantly approaching his clients to do. And we'd sure love if you do it for us. That helps us get the word out and share this podcast with other people. And of course, we want to leave you with the challenge as we do every week, that this is something that you can apply to your own life. You have the opportunity to make this something that you want it to be. You are the only one that can change yourself. And you are the only one that can choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.